Dude, dude. A 50-foot containment wall is erected along the New Jersey shoreline. Gotta get no play football for! The rules are simple. Cookies! Once you go in, you don't come out. It's fresh cookies! Bow wow! Welcome to Fresh Cookies Football, everyone. I'm your host, Nary Rodriguez. Serious faces on people, it's a serious episode. You know my usual spiel. Be sure to follow us on social media. On Instagram, it's at Fresh Cookies Show. On Twitter, it's at Fresh Cookies Pod. Give us a like on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. NFL kickoff is about a week away, so looking forward to bringing you guys some good highlights. And I appreciate your support thus far. Hard Knocks Episode 4, we're getting to the end, people. I know I've been critical of this season, but last night's episode really sticking out. And full disclaimer, this might get a little serious at times, but it matches the tone of the episode, so gotta do it. This week's episode of Hard Knocks taking an interesting turn. Obviously, with all the social justice issues plaguing the country right now, Eventually, it was going to seep into the NFL, as it has with all the other pro leagues. But I think Hard Knocks did a great job kind of showing some different angles, perspectives, if you will. And it's safe to say to call this their social justice episode. Watching the show since I've been a kid, I've never seen them tackle political or racial issues like this. Like I said, it, it's just a reflection of the times. But still, kudos to them for telling a good story. I've been critical of this season. And, you know, the the coronavirus kind of messing everything up. That's interrupting what usually goes on in Hard Knocks in terms of the preseason games and the practices and the contact. But this separate issue is something that's been affecting the country for a very long time. Probably, you know, the entire existence of the U.S. of A. And not to get too high on my soapbox, we can't change the past, but we can alter the future to a certain extent. I don't want to see no three-headed horses. I'm all for curing world hunger, though, and stopping racism, for that matter. In reality, I don't know if you'll ever be able to stop it, but we could definitely nip it in the butt and take it back a little bit. Country... (laughs) Country's just too racist for 2020. So yeah, probably the most conscious episode in the Hard Knocks series ever. And right out of the gate, they set the tone for you. Opens with Sean McVay watching the tape of the Jacob Blake shooting. And then immediately into a cold opening. No music, black and white graphic, and Hard Knocks getting artsy on us. I'm like, this went from Little Giants to any given Sunday real quick. And as critical as I've been of McVay throughout the entire training camp, have to give him respect. I don't know how you're supposed to measure someone's reaction to something, but his seemed genuine. At heart, I don't think he's a bad guy. My criticism of him as a coach and a person are completely different. And I'm sure behind the scenes, he's not that bad to hang out with. Now, shifting over to the Chargers side, at first, you know, the situation is going to be different for Anthony Lynn being a black head coach, but 
I thought it was really interesting that both coaches faced the same problem, whether to cancel practice or not. And from Lynn's initial reaction, it doesn't seem like he wants to. And that's not a cold-hearted thing. It's just, it's a predicament that no one else has been in, much like the coronavirus. Last week, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic, you know, I can't, people are saying, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm like, it takes two to tango. But the Bucks taking the first step forward and boycotting not playing in an NBA playoff game, which was huge, by the way, because all the other pro sports leagues followed. And forget not playing sports for four or five months. This was something the sports world probably hasn't ever seen. Just when we literally thought that we'd seen it all. No, players standing up for human rights. Our human rights. We're all Americans. And just as we are all the same, both of these coaches face the same dilemma. And there's no way you can measure of how they handled it, you know? They're trying to get a team ready, and they're already down an element in terms of picking a team because they have no preseason games. On top of that, there was limited contact to begin, so it just seems like this is another setback if you're trying to make an NFL roster. But at the same time, just like players throughout the episode expressed, it's something that can't go ignored. I personally want to see training camp go about how it always is. Low-ranking guys proving themselves and making an NFL roster. You know, they might stick around on the practice squad or get called up by the end of the year. Or they might, you know, they might be on the, the actual NFL roster to start. But it's just, you know the importance of training camp. So when they take days off and, and things like that, it, it's something you don't want to see. But at the same time, I stand with them and I support them. And as the episode goes on, we'll touch back to this. Because I didn't realize how many factors actually went into this situation. But moving along, Chargers wide receiver coach Phil McGagan stealing the spotlight once again. And I don't want to knock dude down a peg or two. But when he's going over the play in his quote-unquote broadcasting voice, it's trash. You're a great coach, sir. But in the booth, I'll get up in that ass. And he put on his broadcasting voice for wide receiver Mike Williams, who was going off in practice until he messed up his shoulder. Williams, 6'4", a beast out there. Triple XL hands. In the episode, Williams was fighting for a pass, landed awkwardly on his shoulder, looks to be dislocated. And I have to give a shout out to the Hard Knocks crew for getting those multiple angles and the sound on that. Damn. You just heard that shit pop. I think I woke up with some shoulder pain after watching that. And just piggybacking off of the McGagan broadcasting voice, Anthony Lynn might have a future in voiceover work. He's got a good voice. I don't know if he's better than me, but I'd like to do a broadcast with him. And, you know, some coaches, they fare well with working with young talent. And Lynn has already done a great job with Justin Herbert. Herbert struggling a little bit there, but he comes back the next day and absolutely kills it. I'm glad he didn't get flustered. And I like how, you know, I like how the staff just, it's typical stuff. 
that you tell players, but, you know, telling them you can't teach experience. And it's a big jump. I know he was getting heckled, people saying this ain't the Pac-12, this, this, and that. But like anything in life, you can choose to take the constructive criticism or you can let it fold you. And watching him work back the next day, gotta love that attitude. And I hope he has a long and fulfilled NFL career. So with Williams down in the episode, Chargers still have some offensive weapons. You know, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, those are the big names. And I took it upon myself to look at their tight end situation. And going back to the first episode, when they cut the angry tight end, Andrew Volert, looking at their tight end situation, they got four guys as of now. They got a five-year vet, a three-year vet, a one-year vet, and then Virgil Green, the old head, 10 seasons in, he had a touchdown last year. But I feel like that's one position that the Chargers could be beefing up and they really didn't focus on in this offseason. Granted, they got some contracts to take care on the defensive side of the ball, but I think they could have invested some money into a decent tight end, especially you got this young prodigy coming in. And it would have been it would have been nice to have Williams and Allen lining up at the corners. You got Eckler on the backfield. Add a tight end threat, along with Justin Herbert, who you know is going to be the eventual starter. Come on. Filthy. But they chose not to. So going to Rams camp, Van Jefferson sticking out the young rookie wide receiver. And the only person that made him look foolish was Jalen Ramsey, which Ramsey coming into this year, definite. I wouldn't say shoo-in. And it's tough because he literally plays on the same side as Aaron Donald. But defensive MVP candidate coming in should be top three by the end of the year, if not top one. So I'm excited what Ramsey's going to bring this year. And then we saw it with the Chargers, not as much as with the Rams, but they finally make some cuts. And just as I give Sean McVay some credit, I'm going to go at him for his cutting style, which listen, if you've ever been fired or dumped, the shorter, the better. This dude McVay out here doing the most telling guys, it was nothing you did, but we're just going to bring in another linebacker, you know, bring in some other guys. You're telling, you're telling this to the, your third or fourth string quarterback that you brought in. Um, And it wasn't just him. He tells another guy basically the same thing. But it's like, less is more. All right? You're giving me the boot, right? Literally stabbing me in the back. And you know when people tell you you don't have to explain yourself? This is one of those moments. Don't tell me you're bringing in someone else. What is that? Can you imagine someone breaking up with you and just being like, you know, it was nothing you did but I'm just feeling someone else. Like, what? And granted, it's not the same. This is a job. And I know McVeigh's been in this situation before, but rip the Band-Aid off quick. All this, lo- all this lollygagging. I don't want to hear who you're bringing in. You're not bringing me in. That's the only thing that matters. And if I could quote Julius from Remember the Titans, 
team? What team? Sean McVay, if you don't grow the fuck up. So going back to Chargers camp, Anthony Lynn, former running back, channeling his former roots. And they've talked about his history throughout the show, but just doing a little more digging. Signed by the New York Giants as an undrafted free agent in 92. Next year, went to Denver, played 13 games for them. 94, didn't really play because he had a broken leg. Then went to San Francisco for two years. Then went back to Denver and won two Super Bowls. So he got 83 games under his belt and is qualified to be in the position he's in. And it was cool watching him take control of the running back drills. Had that quote-unquote jump test. See if these backs can get over the pile. Austin Eckler upping the ante. Five bags. Didn't even touch him right over. And before Lynn even said it, immediately you see that bolt on the side of the helmet. And you think LT, LaDainian Tomlinson. And just thinking back, watching LT play, growing up a proud Patriots fan, it was always tough because I felt like the only time we did see him was in the postseason, and it was never a time to admire the skill. And then, you know, he had a couple choice words for the Patriots in general. So it's always been kind of a love-hate relationship, which ain't no hate. I respect the fuck out of the game. (laughs) He'll go down as one of my all-time favorite players that I got to see play. But, you know, he joins the likes of Tom Brady, Ed Reed, T.O., and Randy Moss, to name a few. So, mad love for LT. And watching this season, you know, he just, to to mention the defense again, um, watching this Chargers team, I wonder how LaDainian Tomlinson would fare. And I think he'd do all right. I know he was getting a lot more touches back then, even though you had a slinger like Phillip Rivers. But just imagine the setup that I just talked about, you know, with, with Williams and Allen on the end. Uh, obviously, nothing against the Austin Eckler. But LaDainian's probably going to take the starting running back spot. So whatever, either Eckler's there or he's not, he's a backup. That would still be tough. But to have LT in the backfield with Justin Herbert, that's a dangerous offense. But Patriots fans love LT. Sorry he doesn't feel the same way. But to wrap up my point, LT the man. And then the highlight of the episode going to Braden Fahoko. Fahoko, I think. Yeah, we'll go with that. I know I'm probably saying the shit wrong, but have to show my Polynesian brother some love. Love my Polys. But yeah, Fahoko, his dad, the Warrior, at the University of Hawaii football games. Then they show him doing the haka. And being a college rugby player gives me chills every time I hear it. I've heard it hundreds of times, but... Makes your spine tingle. Love that. And being Latino, I respect the fuck out of the Polynesian culture. They're so family-oriented. I love that this dude, Fahoko, had the whole fam on the Zoom call. And 
They seem like very nice people, regardless if this guy was playing football or not. Seems like a great person, and I'm getting a little older. I'm getting mushy. I like seeing families that support each other, so I'm glad he got some love. Love to see the whole Samoan Hawaiian culture being on display, and I felt the same way watching Last Chance U as well. I'm glad those players are getting to showcase their stories. So yeah, Fahoko kills the Haka at practice. And Justin Herbert having that, that bounce back day, proving why he's more than deserving of that starting role. And just watching him link up in these tight windows and rolling out of the pocket, stepping up, resetting, all that. You know, I... Philip Rivers is a tall dude, you know, and I'm sure back in the day he he was well, he was definitely quicker than he is now, I would think. I think the only player that kind of did the reverse there was was Brady, who looked like he got better as he got older. But I couldn't help but wonder, like, I like what does Philip Rivers think about Herbert and just him being there comparing the two? Uh, Rivers is 6'5", 222, whoa, 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 (laughs) Philip Rivers is 6'5", 228 pounds, math is a little hard, Herbert, 6'6", 237 pounds, so he's got an inch and about 10 pounds on dude, it's not a pissing contest, but if it was... We taking Herbert. And don't get me wrong, I love ragging on Phillip Rivers. But when he hangs it up, I'll be sad. I'll be sad. Had a lot of good memories beating him. But he's had longevity in this league. And at the end of the day, I respect the fuck out of him. Otherwise, I wouldn't make fun of him. So, as the episode goes on, we start seeing boycotts from pro sports leagues. With the Jacob Blake video surfacing. And going back to the opening scene. With the with McVay talking to the Rams media coordinator. It looks like he was the one that kind of brought it to Sean McVay's attention. Which I, I mean I don't want to say I don't know what the reasoning was behind that. It's just I feel like McVay would have saw the video. I don't know if they had the media coordinator bringing it to him for a camera's sake, whatever. But it's a tough situation to put somebody in, you know, to watch a gruesome video like that and then just, you know, have your reaction for the entire world to see. Can't be easy. And hey, I I could be wrong. It could have been a genuine moment. The scene just seemed a bit staged in a way. If you will, I know they they were going to have to have a conversation whether or not to cancel practice. That whole that whole exchange just felt very odd. So the Rams don't know if they should cancel practice. Meanwhile, the Washington football team was the first team to pull out of a scrimmage, which they just had a huge scandal that was swept under the rug. Not to say huge, but had some allegations of some some creepy shit going on involving owner Dan Snyder and a bit of a backstory on that is just 
having extra videotape of these girls that audition to be dancers and cheerleaders be sent to Snyder and, and other higher ups in the Washington organization, which I guess it's not illegal as much at it, like as much as it is creepy, but still something to, something to think about the fuck is going on out there. Eventually other teams taking action and I don't know if the Lions were before Washington, after, but the boycott talk makes its way to the NFL finally. And it was interesting to hear Anthony Lynn because it sounds like initially, or I would say, I think he was just against canceling practice altogether. And that's all right. Come, like from, from his perspective and what he said, He's allowed to have his opinion. And a couple of those quotes from the episode was, you know, get your ass in the community. Best way to honor him, Jacob Blake, is to go do your job, then go talk to the media. And he even he even addresses kind of every every pro athlete in terms of you can you can boycott games and practice and stuff, but you better be going out in the community and doing something. And me personally, you know, I would love to see these games and, and it hurts me to see games be canceled and, and boycotted because, you know, we've been we've been without them for so long. And not only that, it's just the love of sports. You hate to see them be compromised by anything. I mean, we we played baseball after September 11th and like that Saints game after Hurricane Katrina, like it's sports have always been kind of our nation's healing in a way. Listen to me, just completely all the feelings today. But you hate to see it. And while I might might not like it, I stand with with all the players that that chose to stand up for what they believe in, whether that, that be canceling a scrimmage or a game. The biggest thing for me, though, is eventually we have to get back because if the NBA would have canceled the rest of the season, like with no playoffs, that would have been a problem. That would have been a problem because it just goes to show you in a way. It's like for for all the racial injustice we're trying to speak up for, it's like, are you going to let racism stop our everyday lives? And I love, it's not the same, but I I thought it was interesting that someone compared coronavirus and racism. And not to get too deep into it, but the stop of the spread in both starts with you. So have these conversations once in a while behind closed doors. You know, not even behind closed doors because they need to be brought out into the forefront. But pick and choose your battles. I'm like, you don't want to be the guy at the party standing on the sofa talking about systematic racism. And in the same breath, you also don't want to be the guy denying that racism exists either. It's important to understand each other. And that's where I'm going to segue into what we've said this season has been missing. Cooper Cup. Yes, Cooper Cup. Finally. Finally getting some more airtime. And when he does... Dude makes the most of it. 
talking about the current racial climate of the country. Coop saying, if you're not aware of what's going on right now, you're just choosing not to. And saying there's not enough empathy. A wise young man beyond his years. And I say young because we're the same age. We're only 27. We're not 30, damn it. But Coop, no matter what the color of his skin is, he's one of the best receivers in the game, in my opinion. And he's setting a great example for everyone, especially white players. Not confused, but just wondering how they can be more involved without perpetrating, so... Shout out to Cooper Cup. Hope he goes off this season. And another person in the Rams organization I want to give a shout out to. It was one of their one of their coaches. Uh, he he said, "If you do nothing, nothing happens." Talking about racism, and also him just you know it it goes without saying. But he says we're behind closed doors talking about the shit, but then not doing anything. And it's very true. All of us are guilty of it, even me. But, you know, away from protesting and voicing your opinions on social media, if you're out and you see something wrong, say something. I know we're in a global pandemic. Keep your distance. But we got to stop standing for this shit. Now, going into the final scene of the episode, we see the Chargers, their you know, it's their first time at Sophie Stadium, SoFi, whatever, Sophie. <laughs> uh, and they had to fold up shop and not scrimmage. And we saw this glamorous, you know, tour when the Rams got there and got the scrimmage. So you were hoping that the Chargers are just awarded the same feat, you know, and, and all those players trying to make it on the squad get their shot. So it was unfortunate to see them not scrimmage. Uh, you know, those guys who are low on the totem pole need the tape and unfortunately won't get it. There was, there was even some mixed emotions from the players for that specific reason. And just harping back on, you know, with, with the whole NBA situation, it's like, I don't like that the Chargers canceled their scrimmage for the simple fact of you're shortchanging those guys and it's easier for the veteran players and the superstar players to say, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to practice or scrimmage today because you're good. But when you look at these younger guys, it's like, you're the only, you're the one who's hurting them. And it's not like these guys can really speak out and say that because they'll look wrong. And not even that they'll look wrong. Some of them, you know, some, if not all agree with the message that's being put forward. So it's a it's a tough spot for them. And leading up to this, you know what's going to happen because we saw that the Chargers made a public statement with canceling their scrimmage. But, you know, it was interesting to see the not the animosity, but the uncertainty if they if they were going to play that scrimmage. And as much as I've applauded Tyrod Taylor this entire season, I think he was a little bit dramatic walking in, and I get it. It's it's an uncomfortable situation, but I just, I felt like, and you know, I, I stand with, with everything dude says in this whole situation. Just the, the way he walked in, though, and was just trying to pull people off the field in them plaid-ass pants, tweed, if you will, 
being like, nah, nah, we got to go. I'm like, I feel like that's, I mean, Anthony Lynn, not that he was against it. Uh, I, I, I know maybe he didn't want to be the one to kind of address it initially, but it's like, I feel like that's kind of the coach's job. Nothing against Tyrod. It's just chill the fuck out a bit when you walk in. And then that, that leads into the locker room scene, which was pretty crazy in retrospect. They had the audio going. Uh, no cameras seemed to be allowed in the locker room, at least not pointing at anyone. Uh, I don't know how that works, considering you sign up to have your entire training camp wired, essentially, you know what I'm saying, 24-7 access. So I don't know if it, if there's a clause in, in the Hard Knocks crew's contract that says with certain situations, the team can choose to not have cameras there or, you know, whatever it be. Uh, I think that's kind of the double-edged sword of the media in general is everybody wants you there to promote them but when shit hits the fan then they don't want no cameras around so I don't know if that was a call from HBO or the Chargers but you can't have it both ways all right people there to get paid to do a job just like you let them do their job in the meeting though shout out to the Chargers coach who said he's been dealing with this from the time he's six to now he's 62 uh, and that it has to stop racism, that is, or or police brutality. I don't know. what Both are bad. I don't know which one's more manageable at this point. But quote from him that really stuck out said, we are football players, not politicians, but it's up to us to, to speak on the platform. And if you just listen to that whole quote, it, it has it all right there. You're not politicians, but you got to speak up somehow. And I think... Athletes aren't always there with that, you know. It's important to speak up, but when you try, if you were to go on a political program and step into that realm, you got to know what you're going into. And if somebody who's been who's been studying politics their entire life steps to you, you got to have a good comeback. Think if the roles were reversed. Athletes love to criticize the media and be like, well, you're you're not an athlete. Otherwise, you'd be playing a pro sport. But it's like if if somebody in the media did say that, they'd probably challenge them to come on the field. So when, when the roles are reversed and they ask you to come into the studio and you get had, take it like a man. Be willing to say you weren't as educated as you thought. And it's not to say that, that they're not and that there's some players that aren't. But if you're going to talk politics as someone who doesn't work in that field, you got to be ready for a little criticism. And I'm, no, I'm, nobody, I'm nobody to address how they should say it, but it's just like, okay, you have your point, but we think protesting is the right thing to do. So we're going to keep doing it. Keep it moving. And just going into that, that Chargers locker room speech, talk, discussion, roundtable, town hall. Uh, it was a it was a smart decision by Anthony Lynn to shut it down, and th- and the reason I liked his reasoning because this is this is the biggest uh, I guess epiphany or biggest key takeaway from this episode that I had 
that really changed my perception. It was a smart decision, looking at it now, by Anthony Lynn to cancel the scrimmage, or postpone it, rather, um, for the safety of the players and their heads not being there, as he said. Looking back on it, it's it's probably the best explanation I've heard from, from any coach across pro sports, basketball, football, baseball, women's basketball. Clearly, this affected his team, like many others around the world. And realizing that, he can sense that the focus isn't on football. And his reasoning with it being a contact sport uh, plays in well. But just in general, you know, your head's not there. So I can't, or rather he can't, with a clear conscience, allow his players to go out there and compete in a contact sport. And is it solely on the safety of the players? Not 100%, but... Clearly, the team was distracted, so kudos to, to Lynn. He doesn't have to explain himself, but kudos to him explaining himself and making a good point. Now, going back to the older coach, uh, we'll call him number 62. He's still young. 62 ain't old, so no beef, but he talked about, about Colin Kaepernick not being picked up. He's like, you know, you got to sacrifice something to get something, and He's talking about how Cap was the first one to stand up and now he's losing out on millions of dollars because of it. And with the NFL basically recanting all their hate for Kaepernick, I had to look up to see what what some of the Cap talk has been. And apparently someone's trying to put his name in for a Hall of Fame nomination is a little far-fetched. It's a bit much. We got Drew Pearson winning multiple Super Bowls and having the talent and the resume not getting in and you're gonna and you're gonna put cap in I get it he went to a Super Bowl but you're gonna put cap in for taking a knee I know I know it was a lot more than that but if Colin Kaepernick goes into the football Hall of Fame the bar has to be lowered for some other guys that are more than deserving to go in there all right does Sean Alexander get to go in? And for that matter, how about the other guys that followed suit that are that are also possibly getting blackballed? Where do they end up? Do they go in? Hall of Fame is a bit much for me. And Pete Carroll, back in 2017, inviting Cap to training camp, didn't offer didn't offer him a contract. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think he worked out with the team. But he said he didn't, you know, they didn't take him uh, at this time. He says he regrets not taking him, but is happy with Geno Smith. So they won't pursue. Although he said a team did contact him about, uh, about Cap. And it was the first time since 2017 that a coach reached out to Carroll about Kaepernick. So who knows? Maybe he'll get an invite. I thought he had a pretty good chance last year when they gave him a tryout, but wasn't good enough. And now here we are still talking about the same thing almost a year later. But yeah, just to kind of summarize this going in, 
if you've been listening to the show the past couple weeks, I've been wanting some more action, and I guess we got it in this episode just in different form. This was an important moment in the, in the series, not even just the season, because it's something that hasn't been dealt with, and it explains a little bit better what the pro organizations have been doing to deal with this and how they can show support and do what's best for the franchise. Going forward, it's easy to say, I hope this doesn't keep affecting sports, but at the same time, things off the field have to change also. So we can't, you know, so it can stop bleeding into sports and everybody can get what they want. You know, the sports are important, but if the black and brown people who fill these leagues are being mistreated, and it's not the people in the leagues that are being mistreated sometimes, but it's everyday working people, you know, who are who are supporting and feeding into these massive salaries, they got to be good too. Shit. Of course, life's going to be good for a millionaire, and even they face racial prejudice sometimes, but got to make sure the country's taken care of too before we can go out there and start playing. So to get off my soapbox this week, listen to some other people, talk to different races, backgrounds, have some empathy, listen to others, take your beliefs into account, and try to find some common ground on how we can all come together. I'm like, it's not about black being better than white or white being better than black. And then everybody who falls in between, it's just coming together as one. And you can call me a hippie, call me whatever, but ideally, that's the world I'd like to live in one day. Because I love all of y'all. All of you. So we got one week until NFL kickoff, and I'm not going to lie, I'm a bit nervous, but excited, because it's the best time of the year. Yes, football is back. I cannot wait to talk some shit. I'm excited to do this show, as well as make some great videos on our social media and YouTube, so be sure to check those out. We'll be dropping our first Fresh Cookies highlight video, recapping some of the best plays from last year to get you ready for the 2020 NFL season, so look out for those. I appreciate the support thus far, and I look forward to interacting with you throughout the football season. We got one episode of Hard Knocks left, folks, so be sure to check us out next week as we wrap up the series season. Uh, It could be the last season, who knows, but check back in for that before we go. As always, if you're not, be sure to follow us on social media. On Instagram, it's at Fresh Cookies Show. On Twitter, it's at Fresh Cookies Pod. Give us a like on Facebook and subscribe to that YouTube channel. All right, y'all, I know it's September, but I'm going to milk this sun for all it's worth. Another great show in the books. Can't wait to see you back here next time. All right, I'm Neri Rodriguez, and you already know, it's Fresh Cookies. A 50-foot containment wall is erected along the New Jersey shoreline. God, I got no play football for. The rules are simple. Cookies! Once you go in, you don't come out. It's fresh cookies!